Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. It's good to be back with you again. You know, had I told you four weeks ago that the NBA season was going to be canceled, the NCAA would no longer be having its tournament, your kids were out of school, kids out, everyone's out of college, you might have thought the world was ending. Well, I have some good news. The world's not ending, but your lives will be disrupted. But hell, this is disruption now, so we want to talk about it and make sure that you're prepared, you have all the information you need, and you can move forward. And with us to talk more about it is a doctor of internal medicine who is uh, soon going to open up his own independent practice that is going to be patient-focused. Dr. Amarbadi, good to have you on, brother. Hi, Rob. Nice to see you guys. Nice to meet you, James. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So let I want to really talk about and just open up with assessing assessing the treatment and the threat. Um, there are people that are really confused by this, and I was one of those people, and I probably still am. I'm just trying to uh, just address the situation as it goes along because it seems to change so much so quickly. Uh, but I think one of the initial uh, questions people have is like, why why is this different? Why is this why is this so much different than what we've seen in the past? Why is this different from the flu? Why is this different from other viruses that have kind of like SARS, H1N1, all that stuff that happened in the past people heard about and it never really got this type of traction? What, what's your answer to why this is different and why people should or should not, depending on your perspective, take it more seriously? Well, uh, there's a large um, coronavirus is not just one virus to start out with. It's a, it's a large group of different viruses and, you know, different strains have come up over the years. Uh, you know, one is SARS, one is MERS. Uh, mm-hmm. SARS was a, a very deadly. That had a 10% uh, fatality rate. Uh, mm-hmm. MERS, not quite so much. Uh, MERS was more centered around, uh, I think that one came from camels in Saudi Arabia. They're called zoonotic uh, uh, viruses, the kind that are able to jump from humans, sorry, ha- animals to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, the current coronavirus, the COVID-19, is a bit more, I don't want to say deadly, the, the main uh, thing difference that we're finding right now is that it is a lot more contagious. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's okay. a 2 to 3% fatality rate, but that, I believe, again, I'm not an infectious disease do- doctor, I'm not going to pretend to be a, a, an expert uh, but from uh, from my readings and you know journal readings, etc., uh, it seems like we don't we don't know what that denominator is yet. We don't know how many cases we have, and that goes to uh, goes to testing. You know, we don't have the we don't have enough testing yet. Uh, if, you, if we believe uh, Dr. Fauci, director of uh, allergy and infectious disease, now on the national level, uh, we, he he believes in the next week or so we'll be we're going to have a, a ramping up of of testing capability. Uh, on different levels uh, to be able to find that actual denominator. So what I'm trying to say in getting back to the 3%, that's probably going to end up being a lower number in the end. Right. So as far as a fatality rate, um, something closer to what we have is the regular flu, which is less than 1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're nowhere near uh, finding that number right now. We're just, I think we're beyond containment. Uh, obviously, it's spread from China all over the world. Um, and it's a pandemic, right? If you can talk to what that means in terms of reality, what does that, what does that even mean? Yeah, so the word pandemic, uh, when we make emergency declarations on the city, state, county level, typically it opens up, uh, it opens up funds uh, that we can use uh, for, for different uh, for, you know, containment strategies, etc. The word pandemic doesn't, is, is, 
issued by the World Health Organization. And it doesn't really open up any kind of funding or extra funding. It's more about uh, getting out um, the word because they're seeing that countries aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, right. They, they, they try and hold that, that word back because it's kind of a, once it's a pandemic, it's not contained. That's, that's the kind of gist of it. Right. So we want to make sure there's more awareness uh, around world health organizations you know, on, on every level. Yeah, it sounds like it's really like a pulling the fire alarm type of thing. Like this is, it's serious now, you know, yeah. we, we don't have a handle on this and everybody needs to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good analogy. Go, go, so to break, I want to make sure in, 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 in layman's terms so people can understand uh, what makes this different. Uh, I see two things and uh, Dr. Body, please correct me if I'm wrong about something, but it seems one, this is more contagious, not necessarily as deadly as previous uh, coronaviruses, but it is possibly more contagious, uh, which is why it's spreading so fast. So fast, and then second, it's uh, there. We also don't have just an uh, accurate data out there to really say how deadly it really is. So uh, you believe that it could be uh, just like the the flu, but the truth is we just don't have enough data to actually know that. Is that correct? I, I don't. I don't want to say it's just like the flu. I think I, don't, I mean as deadly is what I mean. Like, but but uh, it's uh, what we know clearly. What we do have hard hard numbers on uh, is are the demographics. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, elderly folks, typically 16 above, who have chronic health problems, diabetes, hypertension, any kind of cardiovascular type of stuff, uh, chronic kidney disease. Those people are at, are at much much higher risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those people we need to be need to be protected. Uh, they need to be the priority, basically. Yeah, I, I wanted to add into that the the piece, the combination that seems to really make this uh, a, a really 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 difficult. Uh, situation to contain is how contagious it is, but yet it doesn't have that 10% uh, or something like that uh, rate where it kills you like SARS did, because it seems like it, could, it, it lives with people and people carry it around. And so it just spreads so much that like, that's how we see it being so many places. And yeah, if you either, if you get uh, one question I had for you was, are there, do we think do we know enough to know if there's different strands or is it just affecting people differently? Because I've even seen reports where young people are getting hit harder and then some people are not getting hit as hard. So is that an issue of different strands of the same well, we virus? Or yeah, we don't know if there's different strains of that particular virus that we're fighting right now. Mm-hmm. But there is there is evidence that but the younger folks are, are not as affected. Correct, uh, correct. In general, in general. But th- there have been reports though where you've seen you know, younger folks that are, are, are dealing with it very hard. And so I just wonder, like, is this like, don't be the unlucky one? Or is this, you know, is there anything more we've gleaned or that we can glean from the information we have so far? So, so much of this, are, uh, just like any kind of situation crisis like this, is it's a moving target. Yeah. Uh, initially, we thought that uh, it was contagious more if, if you were symptomatic, if mm. you were coughing, sneezing, uh, droplets and you're taking that in through your eyes ears nose mouth uh and that's still the case clearly mm-hmm. uh, but now we're finding that uh a lot of the um uh, transfer of the virus could be from asymptomatic people who are just carriers right now mm-hmm. uh, it could be younger healthier people who are who have been traveling or been exposed in some way uh in large large crowds and they're carrying carrying it back to someone who's more vulnerable such as a grandparent or older person or even maybe a younger person who has these chronic health problems. So, uh, so if you're asymptomatic, is that like you wipe your nose and then you touch the doorknob or touch the refrigerator or like how? 
Because normally we associate, I guess, let me, the, 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 normally we would associate like the symptoms as being the way the virus spreads, like the, right. the mucus coming out of your nose or the sneezing. But so for your asymptomatic, how does that happen? Or, you know, to the extent we can tell. Yeah, just like how you're saying, you know, if you're, if that's what the, everyone's tell, we're telling you, don't touch your face, you know, mm-hmm. from coughing, sneezing, wash your hands immediately uh, because you may not be uh, symptomatic. But, you know, you go to the grocery store, you're picking out some tomatoes, you mm-hmm. leave some of that saliva there, you know, an elderly person comes up behind you, picks up the same tomato, wipes their face, they can mm-hmm. get it. So that's yeah. that's a real wow. danger right now. And that and that goes to testing again. When we go back yeah. to that, we don't have the, the level of testing. Um, but the, the, the advice that we're getting, uh, at least on the city level, I'm on the city health board, is that we're telling people, and I think this is pretty, pretty conventional wisdom at this point, is that um, if you are feeling kind of flu-like symptoms, but they're not that bad, just you quarantine yourself and you can be treated mm-hmm. over the phone by your primary care doctor. So what would that look like? Golf of people, if they're feeling, what, what, what's, what's flu-like symptoms? Let's, let's talk about that. They, people may or may not know. I, I'd like to know because I've seen so many conflicting reports of, it looks like this, but it's not like this. It looks like this, but maybe this. I'm like, so. Yeah, as I'm sure you guys know, there's a lot of crossover between, you know, flu and SARS and, and you know, coronavirus and everything. Uh, the, you know, you can start out with, um, you know, cough, fever is a, is a big signal. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have the traditional flu, you have more muscle aches. You mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have that with the cur- current coronavirus symptom. Um, the uh, the kind of cardinal symptom that we're starting to find with the, the dangerous strain of coronavirus is that people have fever and they're short of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're finding that uh, if you left the, I mean, at least the, with the cases that we've seen in China so far, if you let the, cor- the, the, the virus take its course, uh, typically will cause uh, a pneumonia. Uh, if you have kidney issues, it, will, it, it could hit your kidneys very hard, re- leading to renal failure, and then and even like having your, uh, your lungs fill fluid. Uh, those are three kind of big pathologies that we're seeing so far. Um, mm-hmm. that, that leads to death. Um, but as far as like distinguishing it and like it kind of you're relying on the public to, that's why education is so important, relying on the public to, to triage themselves in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're having those kinds of symptoms, definitely, you know, reach out to your primary care provider, you know, describe exactly what's going on. Um, then, of course, there's a little bit of gray area in the middle of like if they're bad, but not that bad. But then, if, of course, if you're getting short of breath and you're older and you have all these other issues, then yes, definitely you need to get to the hospital and, uh, and possibly get admitted. But the mm-hmm. thing is, we don't want people to go directly to the doctor's office before a phone call. We certainly don't want them going to ERs where they can pass on the infection to healthcare yeah. workers and other patients. And it's so tricky, man. You just, you just put up a lot of, you just made a lot of really great points. And how do we figure out the way, the right way to react, to not underreact, to not go out and party with hundreds of people in spring break, right? That's clearly, an oh, that's not the right reaction. That's an underreaction. It's a reckless reaction, I would say. Uh, but then how do you, okay, if you got a little headache, do you go to the doctor and just say, I got a headache? And then you just, because pe- you can see people being very uh, concerned about having this and carry this. I, I, I'll be honest, I am. I was like, Okay, like I got a headache the other day. Does that mean I have? Does that mean I have this? And I'm like, and I'm like, and I just don't. And I'm like, I am concerned. Like, so how do you go? And I'm sure people are. How do you go about the right balance of knowing when to seek medical help? Oh, I think I think, it's, I think it starts with a phone call. I think it starts with a phone call to your healthcare provider. Uh, the other thing that I think uh, one part where we're I think we're going to be able to tackle 
uh, the kind of that gray area a little bit more aggressively is that uh, uh, I believe, in, I think it's already started in Cleveland, but the rest of Ohio and different parts of the country, they're going to start having uh, kind of drive-through check-ins mm. where they're going to have these, these uh, kind of pit, spot, pit stops uh, throughout the city where you can actually drive through. A uh, healthcare provider will swab you, and then uh, I believe they'll be able to get test results back to you in 24 hours. But they expect you to self-quarantine yourself during that time period. Um, they've done that successfully in, I believe, South Korea um, yeah. and Seattle. They've actually ramped it up because they've been hit so hard. So mm-hmm. um, I think that I'm hoping we're going to see more of those stations in the next uh, in the coming weeks. So how how do you think the coronavirus has? Um exposed or demonstrated current vulnerabilities within the uh, healthcare field, particularly in America. You know, this is, uh, there has been talk uh, about this not necessarily, you you shouldn't be as much concerned about dying from it or mass as you said, but the issue is if people get it at a peak so quickly, it could overwhelm the healthcare system. Is it that, is that because we're underprepared for a crisis when it comes or is it just unique to this moment? Uh, I, I, a little bit of both. I think it's definitely unique to this moment. Um, uh, obviously, we could we could we could debate about the uh, American health system, you know, and its pros and cons, you know, uh, about what what we're able to provide and not provide in, in a timely basis. But I think the way the direction it's going right now, it it doesn't matter if we have uh, you know like other developed countries around the world you know, the Italy's, the France's, the Germany's, et cetera, that have, uh, quote unquote, free medical care, uh, they're also getting overwhelmed. So I, yeah. I, I, I don't think, I mean, the, the, on the, those other countries that have that type of healthcare system, they're much better, it seems, at preventive care because, you know, people were able to access that kind of thing. I don't think they're prepared. I don't think any medical system we have right now is particularly prepared. I think, Personally, I think it's more uh, from top down as far as governments and how they're attacking things more so than medical systems. Uh, I mean, for example, like a crisis we, response, you know, right, this exactly. is not. Yeah, I thought you're, you're distinguishing preventive care from what we're dealing with here was very insightful because, yeah, this is not just the, the normal, hey, you know, eat your vegetables and. Yeah, this right. is, you bang this is your the same yeah. thing as like getting a, having an earthquake or a hurricane, yeah. that type of thing. And, and I really applaud uh Governor DeWine and uh, Ohio Governor DeWine and, and his team and, and Dr. Acton in Columbus and how they've been able to be a very aggressive and really set an example for the rest of the country on, on uh, making really tough decisions, you know, getting ahead of the curve and shutting down schools, bars, restaurants, and just and, and, and being uh, open about how, how tough it's going to be and, and, you know, and, and trying to find funds for people who, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us can work from home, but so, and most can't, and particularly in the exactly. service particularly those that are in the, we talked about this on Call It Like I See It, and so I won't get too much into it. That's another podcast we have with uh, James as the, as the host there. But we are a service and consumer economy, and you know what? Uh, that can't be done remotely. That can't be done on your computer virtually, at least not yet. We haven't done that. So that's a sector that needs to be there, needs to interact with people. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a whole sector of the economy that is more vulnerable anyway because they're more likely to be paycheck to paycheck now going without pay, and it, it to me exposes some vulnerabilities, not necessarily in our healthcare system, but in other policies like family sick leave, things yeah. like that. Like we that we take that if you have the ability to do it, like you have jobs like ours, so you can do it. It's 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 a it's a privilege, but it's but should it be? I don't think it should be. That's my personal opinion. And and this this moment is exposing 
um, that we don't, and I'm not saying this is not just government, this is individuals. We tend to not, in America, we tend to not plan for the long term. Everything's about next week, next quarter. So preventative care, as you said, is is one, I think, symptom of that. But it's an overall disease we have of right now, right now, me, what I want to do in the next moment. Yeah. <clears throat> you bring up you bring up a good point because we will get through this. You know, we, it, we, we'll, it'll, I mean, the numbers, we're doing all the right things in most parts of the country. And, you know, the, the numbers will plateau and then hopefully go down sooner rather than later, but it's a question of how do we, how do we tackle these problems you just brought up in the end? Do we just kind of sweep it under, under the rug and just wait for the next uh, crisis or do we actually try and plan ahead? Uh, that, <laughs> that That's an interesting point. Well, I have a question and it's not to put you on the spot. Like this is kind of just a discussion point. Um, what stood out to me also with this, um, and this, I think the, the analogy with the earthquake or the hurricane, I live in South Florida, you know, and so we get one of the things that I, I say, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I, I live here. But when I, when I grew up in Ohio, you know, a tornado would come. It'd just be 2 p.m. And then there's a tornado warning at 2.15. And like there's no time to get ready. Like at least with the hurricanes, like I can see for days it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Let me get ready. Well, with this, it seemed like we knew for months that this was coming. Like this was going on in China and everybody's looking and say, oh, wow, they, they shut this city down. They did this and that. Like did we like... From the standpoint of just the psychology of humans and Americans, did we have to allow it to come here and start killing people before we could start really getting ready? Because it doesn't seem like we got ready seeing that it was a problem in China. It seemed like we waited until it hit our shores. Oh, it's in Seattle. Hey, maybe we should do something about this. And it's like, well, hold on. We knew this was coming two months ago. Like, why were we not ramping up? Or is that just a psychology thing? Or just what are your thoughts on that? Because, again, it's not really to put you on the spot. No, not at all. Those are all really good points. Uh, we, For one, we haven't dealt with a pandemic at this level. That's true. Uh, we had SARS. We had MERS. We had Ebola, uh, which were all particularly Ebola, I think, was the most recent. And that actually, in, in the within the healthcare establishment in this country, that actually was a good training ground mm. for all of us. Uh, luckily, it did not become as big a problem as we thought it could be. But uh, if you worked in anywhere in the healthcare system, you were you were trained. And we had fit masks and we got hazmat suits. So, so none of this, what's going on now, is is a problem. Yes, we absolutely could have gotten ahead of the curve. We could have started all these measures at least one one or two months ago. Yeah. Um, but but this is it's it is a new it is a just completely new ball game right now. So hopefully. To Rob's earlier point before, like hopefully we can figure out how to how we can make plans, uh, contingency plans in case something like this or when it happens again, that we'll be a lot more prepared. Yeah, it, it uh, is really a great point and um, something I actually just posted on social media and I want to go more into it here is the fact that, you know, it's not the fault of Donald Trump that we have this current situation going on in terms of the, the actual pandemic itself. It's not the fault of corporate leaders uh, that their workers won't get pay right now. Uh, it is their responsibility, and let me explain the difference. Uh, you know, when you uh, 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 when you want to step up to become a leader, to me, what you're saying is uh, we put someone in charge that in moments of crisis, uh, you have to step up and do more than others. That's why you are a leader. Yeah. Uh, if you have profited from our system, I believe in capitalism. But I believe it doesn't work when um, when it, when there's such imbalance that the only people that get rewarded are a very few. So the example of what 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 I learned of what was going on with Whole Foods, you know, you have Whole you have you have you have a company that's encouraging 
people to trade off their vacation time for others uh, that are getting sick. Now, nothing wrong with that theoretically if you're a company that's a small business struggling and you got to do what you have to do. But, you know, Whole Foods is owned by the richest man, one of the richest men in the history of the world, <laughs> right? So you ask yourself, shouldn't it be on the people that are making profits to actually give more, to help their workers more out through this process in order? That's what I think. So it's not their fault, but it's, it's not their just responsibility. You. It's not just you. Harry Truman, what, he had the, the sign on his desk, the buck stops here. When you're in leadership, things can be your responsibility regardless of fault. I mean, and that's an excellent point, Rob. You know, I, I definitely... I, I don't think that we do a good enough job of holding people who desire or strive to be in leadership, holding them accountable for the things that they need to be doing while in leadership. We're so busy fighting with each other and allow, you know, yeah. when you, it's all an us versus them dynamic. And I have to defend the person I, uh, I support when he screws up as opposed to saying, well, hey, hold on. Why did you screw up? How can you not do it? What can we do so you don't do that again in the future? Like, it doesn't have to be you want to throw people out all the time, but at least let's have conversations as far as how people can be accountable. I know when minimum wage people make mistakes, they're held accountable. And so when the people who, who profit the most and who benefit the most, hey, more power to them, but we need accountability from them as well. Yeah, we're seeing leadership in all different corners. I mean, look at yeah. uh, look at the young Zion Williamson of the Pelican. Yeah. You know, yep. and he came out and he said, "I'm going to help out with these people who are who are you know paying his salary, basically in a sense, you know, with the with the arena that he's playing in." And yeah, we're seeing it from all corners. Uh, I, yeah, there's there some there's some slivers of optimism here and there. So my my, my there certainly is. Yeah, my my hope is that in in the end, once we kind of get through this, this whole period that, that we can learn from it and, 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 and make the, make the union stronger in a sense. Yeah. And I actually, uh, I, that's my hope. I lean as an optimist, uh, while still being vigilant in the process. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's seeing this moment and hoping that we get the best out of it because in a time of crisis, I, I think you go one of two ways. I don't think there's really a moderate way to go here. Uh, we're, we're either going to, uh, work together, have collective sacrifice. And look, we haven't had to do collective sacrifice in hardly any of our memories. This is this yeah. is new. So, you know, the, the fact that people don't understand how to respond is actually natural because we haven't had to do this, right? I mean, if if, if you would have talked to somebody going through the Great Depression, any, any of them still alive, they said, well, we have to stay at home. They say, okay. Well, they probably say, all right, whatever. I mean, because they <laughs> had to go to war. <laughs> they had to be hungry for like 10 years. They probably look at us like, what are you guys talking about? Tissue paper? Like, what, why? Like, what? I mean, so the mind is relative. So we haven't had to we haven't had to do this. So I'm hoping we can learn collective sacrifice, uh, learn that we're in this together, uh, because this this virus is not discriminating. It doesn't matter if you're black, doesn't matter if you're white, doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're poor, doesn't matter if you're Asian, doesn't matter. It does not care. It, it is indiscriminate. Equal opportunity offender It's coming <laughs> for everybody. And doesn't mean we should be fearful, but we can at least use this opportunity to realize something that we should realize all the time, that we are all part of the human race. It does not matter where you come from. It really doesn't. And we do more together. So I'm hoping, I'm praying that that's the way. We could also go the other direction too, though. We can go to a way where we just say, well, you know, we all want to believe that it's, it's others, that others are carrying this disease. It's their fault. It's the Asians' fault. It's their fault. And, you know, I just need to stay away from those people. And as long as I do that, I'll be fine. We have to we, we're going to have to choose uh, and which way we go is going to determine the direction of the world, I think, at this point. So my goal is to disrupt the kind of a common pattern we're on, because I think we've been 
more towards the latter than the former uh, lately, but we can we can turn that around. I, I think one one thing that I, I'm hoping that people are going to learn just in general, just uh, moderation, you know, mm-hmm. and how to how how to live a, a little bit more within our means, you know, just the toilet paper. I mean, come on, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But just in general, I feel like because we're having to be a little bit smarter and a lot more careful with our money, we're seeing the markets you know sink and everything. So it's, mm-hmm. there's a there's so much to learn during this period, and I mean, not to mention that it's an election year, so that's a place. Yeah. <laughs> well, that it, it that it can give us common purpose is something that definitely could be a silver lining. You know, particularly something that we notice uh, when we're through it. You know, like I don't know that we want to, uh, you know, hang our hats on that just yet. Uh, but common purpose oftentimes will will supersede some of the other divisions that that come up. Um, in our interactions from a day-to-day basis. And so and, and when we don't have that common purpose, then these little things that come up, differences between people, they take on such an enhanced meaning relatively in people's minds. You know, like I, I thought your point was re- really well taken, Rob, as far as how the human mind is relative. When there is no big problems, then we focus on all these little things and, and obsess about them. And so hopefully, you know, with something like this, then as we move through it, then we can see a big problem. And then we, we can see that a lot of the other stuff we're worried about is trivial. And we can try to move you know, our society into a better direction to be more prepared for this, to better care for our most vulnerable and so forth. Yeah, considering especially since how polarized the country has become in the last four years, you know, this, uh, this could be uh, that silver lining pulling, uh, pulling yeah, us right. together a little bit closer. And it, and it, and it, and it really, really, really should. Um, I, I talked to a friend today who kind of came to me who's a, a, a Trump supporter. Uh, I think he's questioning where he's at now. And he's he was questioning the response of some religious leaders who are essentially trying to get people to still come to church gatherings, telling them that, you know, well, don't give in to fear. And, you know, because that's what we shouldn't do. And we should keep our faith. And, and I say this is a person who's a Christian, right? I, I mean, look, there's actually a line in the Bible. Like a, a lot of people quote Christ and don't have any Christ. You know, he said, look, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Still use your brain. Like, listen, <laughs> I mean, like, listen, listen, you can be faithful and you can use your brain and understand and take precautions. And he was just he was just lamenting the fact that these these are supposed to be our leaders. And they're telling us these things that don't seem right. And I said, well, good. Listen to yourself. You're right. And that that's giving me some hope. Because, you know, I see no difference. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that goes to education as well. Because a lot of these people are, I think, some of those people in those positions are starting to realize the error of, of speaking that way and the danger, quite frankly. Uh, so, but I think it's, it's the healthcare uh, provider community. I think it's our responsibility to explain to people that, uh, you know, up until just a couple of days ago, people thought they could just go to a bar or a restaurant and, Hey, I'm not sick. It's fine. I'm not going to bother anyone. But they didn't. They didn't understand that they can still be a carrier and get their grandma sick or some mm-hmm. their neighbor sick. I mean, I didn't fully appreciate it a week. I appreciated more this week than I did last. I'll be completely honest, right? I, that's me. I'm much more. Well, well no, that was why I I made the point earlier, and I said th- th- almost asking, did it have to come here first? Because nobody really appreciated when it was happening in China. We all could have collectively said, hey, we got to get ready. We got to get ready. Do, what, what are we doing with sick leave? What are we doing with this and that? None of us did. <laughs> all of us saw it and said, oh, look, that, that, that big boulder is about to roll down the hill and hit us. Yeah, yeah well, that's going to be pretty crazy. You know, like, but we didn't do anything to prepare. And so it, it almost seemed like, and I mean, and some of that is just our humanity and how we deal with 
the you know how how we how far we look into the future in terms of how we plan and you know it, it's now some of that is on leadership leadership's job is to, sure. to, to it is, is to be held to a higher standard as far as planning but at the same time just as far as you know just rank and file people we all saw it and none of us really you know none of us in january were saying hey we got to get ready for the corona we got to get ready for the corona you know, nobody was saying that, even though all indications then said, yeah, it's coming. You know, it, it, there was nobody or there was no credible people saying that, oh, no, it, it would never come here. You know, like that. Yeah. So it, it's but something about the human condition. You know, but just, it is. It's the natural human condition. And Dr. King spoke on this a long time ago. You're making me think about this. He said when, when he said a threat to justice, uh, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. He was speaking about how we are all connected as human beings. And that what affects one directly affects all indirectly. And I would say what affects one directly now in the global world affects all directly. Yeah. And we're learning that now, right? We're learning that what goes on in China is going to affect what goes on in the United States of America. And so we have to think about how we live as a, as a global community, how we do, I'm not going to get too far down this, but how we do trade, <laughs> everything else, need, we need to observe because we know a little bit about what happened here uh, it came. It came from a city, Wuhan. Am I saying that right, Umar? Uh, uh, the city which has a lot less regulation. They have a lot of these open markets and blood splatters everywhere. And it's likely that you know blood from a bat splattered on somebody and got in their eyes and so on and so forth. So as we talk about doing business, uh, think about you know obviously we still want to be a global community. We can do so while still being conscious of regulation of being safe. We we need safe and and fair trade because otherwise these these problems are going to exacerbate like it's not going to go away it's not going to it's not going to go away yeah i mean that's where i think social media has become quite a um i mean it's been such a a, a danger i think you know in polarizing our country and the way we think and the, the the otherization of all of us but in this situation where we're having to isolate ourselves uh that sounds very that sounds scary quite frankly right but you know we can sit here and we can we can do podcasts and we can talk to each other and we can see each other and so that's I think that if we didn't have this it would be I think it would be much much worse much scarier frankly. Mm -hmm. So to kind of conclude this, you feel hopeful about the future. It sounds like what what do you want what do you want people to take away about this moment going forward? And that's really you know not only for you, Doctor Body, but I want to hear from you, James, and then I'll conclude. Like, what is it that you want people to take in terms of how they should proceed forward? what they need to do and where we go from here? Um, well, I, for me, in the sense, from the medical sense, I think everyone's, everyone's uh, heard about washing their hands. I think they, they, I don't think we're doing it enough. We are talking about if we are overreacting or underreacting. Overreacting is always good in this situation. So okay. even, even after you sneeze, you should, you should wash your hands, obviously before and after eating, all of that. Um, but the, the main thing, and of course, you know, isolating yourself, the six feet distance, uh, don't go out unless you absolutely have to. Um, I mean, you don't have to sit in the house for six months. That's not, I hope people don't believe that. Um, but the main thing is I want people to be able to keep an eye on each other. I know we can't go to people's houses quite easily and everything right now, but uh, and we all have neighbors, we all have older neighbors. And I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that the people that are listening here and, and just, you know, uh, people in general are telling you keep an eye on them give them a call text them whatever it is just to make sure they're okay because a lot of people are living you know they're older they have these chronic medical conditions and they uh, they might not have access to the internet or whatever and or they might not have a whole lot of family or any family to keep an eye on them so 
those are the, that most vulnerable population. I hope we can all kind of collectively uh, keep an eye on each other and, and uh, make sure to get them help if they need it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's very good, very good. I mean, it's, it, my, my thought is really just, I hope that people take it seriously. Um, you know, and just don't look at this lightly. Don't try to come up with some justification so that you can do whatever you wanna do and disregard the advice that's being given. Uh, what we as a society are trying to do is move past this as quickly as possible. Um, but for us to do that, we have to take certain steps to that are that like, you can't stop the thing in its tracks. And so there's going to be an arc. We're trying to make that arc as as flat as possible, so to speak. So our peak and, you know, you hear this term, you know, flatten the peak or whatever. But we don't want a lot of people to have it at the same time, you know. And so the the virus is going to spread. The fact that it doesn't kill everybody makes it something that's going to spread more, not less. Correct. And so the sooner that the, the more we can follow common sense directives, the, the sooner ideally we'll be able to get through this and get on with, with a society that's more uh, in the way that we are used to. Um, you know, I, I am concerned or I, I do wonder if, if things are, are more to come, you know, the other shoe to drop, so to speak, whether there's going to be orders of no more, you know, like federal lockdown, like we've seen that in Italy, things like that. Uh, it's definitely a concern of mine. Um, but also at the same time, you can't spend too much time worrying about what's not, you know, you, you do have right. to still be in the present and, you know, take the opportunity. I think it's good advice. I, I, I heard to take the opportunity to, to spend time with your loved ones, you know, whether on the phone or in person, the ones that are in your home. Um, and then, you know, call your parents or call your, your kids or, you know, and, and spend some time on the phone if you're not in the same house with them already. So, you know, but yeah, we're people, we can make it through. We went to the moon. <laughs> we can, we can make it through. So, you know, let, let's, let's keep it moving. Yep. I would say perspective and patience, perspective in that there are people that have gone through much worse suffering. There are people that have come out of war-torn war uh, countries that come out okay. Um, there are people from previous generations that have been through 10 times, a thousand times of what we're going through at this moment. At the end of the day, this is going to pass. So having patience and being present in the moment, that's what we should do. Uh, we have a lot going for us here. I'm not saying everything is perfect. I'm not one of these people that say, oh, you know, life is perfect all the way. I just want you to have perspective. If you look at perspective, if you were to go back 100 years ago, you're doing better than the top 1% was 100 years ago, likely if you're listening to this podcast. It's all perspective. And I want to make sure people keep it in mind and that we don't get out of control. We don't let fear overtake us, but we also are not reckless. Uh, we can. We will move forward. Uh, I believe in the people in this country, and I still I, I still believe in people. It's a, ultimately I lean on the side of being an optimist, and uh, we have to make sure that we are infecting and affecting minds, uh, and we are louder than the naysayers, louder than those who are perpetuating fear. That is our job here yeah. on Disruption Now. That is the job of everyone to be evangelists for hope. That's my that's my task to you as listeners, and I appreciate you being on, Dr. Umar Body, uh, James Keys, as always. Until next time. Thank you. All right. Thank you.